Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. Go. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week. We've got a tough loss to swallow as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 376. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films so that we can break down the most pivotal moments and themes from the Eagles' difficult defeat at the hands of the New York Giants up at MetLife Stadium. And we'll also get you ready for the team's return trip to North Jersey as they prepare to take on the New York Jets here in week 13. Before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, make sure you head on over to our Apple Podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you've got a question about this team, go on. Leave it there in the comment box, and we will answer it here in an upcoming episode. Obviously, make sure if you're not already, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, and you will get these shows sent to you every single week on your podcast device. Number two, make sure you go check out some of our other football analysis content that drops early this week. We've got the All-22 review, which you can check out over on the Eagles' YouTube page, really on any of the Eagles' digital channels, and the post-snap read, where I dive into the Eagles' offensive performance on the ground in this game, namely looking at some of the personnel up front. I thought Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson, everybody across that front, the tight ends, everybody chipped in in a big, big way in the run game. So we'll get into that in our post-snap read. Also, when you're checking out podcasts, you got to tune into the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, we are talking about all the big news surrounding the NFL draft. The Senior Bowl making big waves early this week. A couple of the top quarterbacks in the country heading to Mobile in January. We will get into that. The big news with Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC. What is the NFL draft fallout from that move? And then also to getting into some of the big winners from rivalry weekend here in college football. We're going to dive into all that in the Journey to the Draft podcast. We are talking about the top prospects each and every week. So get ready for next spring when the Eagles potentially could have three first-round picks. You want to be ready. Make sure you know who the top names are with the Journey to the Draft podcast. That said, let's get into this week's chat here with Greg Cosell. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, let's dive into the tape here as I welcome in my friend Greg Cosell for some chalk talk. Greg, uh, look, a difficult loss to swallow here for the Eagles in this game against the New York Giants. Uh, Some really good things that we saw on defense, obviously holding New York to 13 points. But we'll start on the offensive side of the football where while the Eagles were able to move the ball for chunks of this game, obviously mostly on the ground, over 200 yards rushing once again for the Eagles in this matchup. Uh, The pass game just um, two up and down and three interceptions are going to do that. Uh, You're obviously not a lot of drives uh, that ended in points for this Eagles team. I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts just walking away after watching the tape. Yeah. You mentioned the interceptions. Two of them came in the red zone and that's always a killer. Um, You know, it was interesting watching the tape, just talking general football, they ran the ball really well but the pass game just wasn't there. And at some point in every game, you're going to need to ha- to throw the football with some efficiency. And they just lack the efficiency in the pass game. Uh, you know, there were a couple, obviously everything would have been different if uh, those last, if, if one of those last two throws was caught by Jalen Rager and we, we'd be having a different conversation, I'm sure. Um, but I think if you're a coaching staff, 
you have to look at the overall big picture. You have to look from 30,000 feet and not at just one play or two plays. And I think everybody would agree that they're going to need more out of the passing game as they go forward. But they're clearly running the ball well. The offensive line in the run game did some really good things. There were some really physical plays in the run game. I mean, this this running uh, this offensive line in the run game is really becoming something to see. Yeah, I mean, the the performance, I thought the tackles in particular were outstanding in this game. Obviously, the offensive line missing Jason Kelsey for the majority of the the matchup. But uh, Jordan Mailata was just ridiculous in this game. Uh, Not just run game, but uh, pass game, he was really sound as well. But uh, his performance really stood out to me on film. I usually feel that every week, but I thought in this one in particular, it was really impressive. Yeah, I thought he and, and Lane Johnson were really good. I mean, we know that when it comes to pass protection, the, the Giants were essentially playing with two rookies, Ojolari and Roche, and then Lorenzo Carter, who's not a great pass rusher. Um, but there were just a number of snaps where I just I wasn't necessarily looking, but I would just happen to see Lane Johnson just stone the pass rusher. Um, so I thought the tackles played extremely well overall. Um, obviously, Nate Herbig came in and played both center initially and then right guard when Driscoll went out. Uh, and I thought he certainly held his own. Um, uh, maybe there was a play or two here or there that he'd love to have back. But th- it was not really a case where you went, oh, my God, look at Herbig. You know, I thought I thought the O-line as a whole in the run game and in pass protection w- was fine. I mean, the run game was dominant at times. Yeah. And obviously like the one Herbie penalty brings the touchdown off the board. Yep. Boston Scott, uh, a few plays later, that's when Jalen hurts throws that interception mm. before halftime. So that was a, a critical penalty, but uh, overall, I mean, we've seen what Nate Herbie can be in the NFL in terms of uh, being a, you know, that, that kind of, uh, that kind of starter uh, in the league, if he's forced to play uh, snaps, whether it's at center or at guard. Um, interesting to kind of get your thoughts on, on the performance of Jalen Hurts because, uh, look, this was a game where we saw three interceptions. That has not necessarily been the book on him, especially no. this season. He's done a good job of taking care of the football. He has not often put it in harm's way. Um, you know, the, the decision at the end of the half, whether that, that's a tough one. That's one that you look at and you say, man, like, you just don't want him to make that throw. But overall, uh, I thought that that's been the, the book on him this year is that he's taking care of the football. So a little bit uncharacteristic here uh, with what he perform- what he did on Sunday. Well, I I think, again, you have to look at where Hertz is in his development because of what's happened in the run game. I think there's been a sense that he's all of a sudden he's there as a quarterback. And I think it's unrealistic to have those expectations, given that he hasn't even started a full season's worth of games yet. So if you look at him from from the macro point of view, you're dealing with a quarterback, I think, that is still still needs to get a little quicker in his elimination of what's not there and his isolation of where to go with the ball. I think um, you're dealing with a quarterback that still at times will leave the pocket too early, break down too early and leave some throws on the field. Having said that, when I finished watching the tape, I quite honestly didn't think that the tape was as bad as one might have been led to believe based on three interceptions and and the overall game, you know, given that they only scored seven points. Um, The first interception in the red zone by Darnay Holmes, to me, I don't know your feeling, friend. I didn't think that was on Hurts. It was he threw the dig ball to Watkins and I thought Watkins stopped his route coming out of his break. Yeah. And I think that surprised Hurts. Um, yep. Obviously, the second one, there's there's no, you know, there's no rhyme or reason for there's that. There's no getting around that one. Yeah. Yeah. There's no getting around that one. But don't forget, um, Ward dropped a TD late in the second quarter as well, you know, on, on what was a very, very good throw by Jalen Hurts that I think happened 
Um, a couple plays before that. Yeah, it was yeah. two plays before that. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, we wouldn't have even gotten to that point, which doesn't mean that you, you disregard the interception by any means. Um, you know, I thought uh, his, his final interception um, – and I think he's not at this point in his career a great deep ball thrower. I think his deep balls lose energy on the back end. I think that's been common. Um, uh, and and he did get a little front side pressure. Uh, he It was his job to hold the safety McKinney. He'll learn to do that better as he keeps playing more and gains more experience because he did not keep McKinney in the middle of the field. I think the big thing, too, is just kind of looking at the performance and looking down the stretch. Look, he, he made some outstanding throws down the stretch, even after. And that's been the, one of the things we've seen about Jalen is that uh, he's able to kind of flush some of those negative plays and keep playing. And what he did on that final drive, I mean, some of those throws, that's that's exactly what you're looking for, right? I mean, the throw to, to, that he made to Jalen Rager down the left sideline, uh, that would have that would have been a great catch by Jalen because he's playing through contact. It's downfield. It's over the right, shoulder. Right. Uh, but that was a great that throw. That was a big time Jaylen. throw. That no was doubt. a big time throw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then even the, at the end on that on that final play, Nick Sirianni uh, gave a little bit of a breakdown for that play uh, in his press conference on Monday afternoon and talked through, hey, you know, on that play, yeah, Devontae is the first progression, then working to Dallas Goddard, they're working kind of a shallow cross concept. Uh, it was a, a difficult throw for Jalen, kind of working from right to left. Uh, obviously, you don't want to throw it right away because it would have been well short of the stick. So he's got to let Devontae develop through the route uh, a little bit. Uh, Nick Sirianni said that the route discipline between those guys wasn't outstanding on the play. So then it turned into a little bit of a scramble drill. He laid it up uh, for Jalen and Jalen, uh, you know, Jalen Rager unable uh, to come down with it. It's a, a tough drop, um, something he'll obviously we'll, we'll try to learn from. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those plays. It was good to see Jalen kind of bounce back and be resilient through that performance, despite throwing those three picks earlier in the game. Yeah, I would love to know more. I'd love to get more information on that final play, because obviously saying that that uh, Devonta Smith was the the primary target on what was essentially a mesh type of concept because Jay, uh, Devonta Smith took that on a bit of an angle, Fran, which kind of made the throw to me. And again, I don't know if it's coached that way. So I, maybe it is. I, I, I don't know. Right. Just, you know, kind of spitballing here, but with the angle that Devonta Smith took, it seemed to me, and I've got a, an ex quarterback who works with me on the matchup show. And I asked him and he said, that's a tough throw. You know, he said that, you know, just the angle of that throw, it makes it makes it tough. So, again, I don't want to say anybody did anything wrong because I don't know how it's coached. No doubt. But, right. But the point is, it was not an easy throw. Yeah, and that's the thing. And obviously, look, he had, had to create at that point. Uh, it turned into a scramble drill and he threw, throws it up for Rager. And as we said, uh, it falls incomplete. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else from a, an offensive standpoint. I thought uh, one of the cool things I really liked from this game, I thought the Eagles did some good things tactically, uh, especially on third down uh, in the third and short game. They did some good things in complementing off of their basic zone replay. We saw uh, the little RPO slide play uh, to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside out in the flat. Uh, we saw the the eye candy of the, from the split gun where you had uh, J.J. and Miles Sanders in the backfield, and then you had the orbit motion that turned into a zone read. So then continuing to kind of dress things up uh, where you have your yeah. base play in the zone read and running complementary plays off that. I thought we, there were some good wrinkles from that aspect in this game. No, I made a point, too, that they're starting to add layers to design run game with more formations, more backfield actions, more blocking schemes. And I made a note of that um, – um, Hurts 13 yards on third and one on third possession of the third quarter was a good example. I think it's a play you just mentioned with our Sega White side offset in the backfield and Watkins yep. or, or in motion. I thought that was, um, you know, a good example of that. Um, 
But uh, yeah, no, they'll keep adding layers. I think that's what they're going to try to do. Where they need to become better is when they choose to throw it on first down. This was a game where they were not efficient at all throwing the ball on first down. And that's an area where you want to feel good about throwing the ball because you know what you're going to get from a tendency and probability standpoint from the defense. Yeah. And, and you want to be better throwing on first down. They'll work on that this week. Yeah, and one of the things we saw in the run game as well, they ran the hell out of that QB counter read uh, for a handful of first oh. downs. Yeah, at the end of the first half. I mean, that was that was the running play that they had the most success yep. um, that, you know, whatever you want to call it. it it's it's kind of a counter run um, where they, they show the the kind of sweep or, or outside zone action away from the pullers. You know, it's basically the old Redskin counter tray. It's just with the quarterback. Right. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. It was a play that's been really successful for them uh, in this game. They've run it a couple times over the year. Uh, I don't believe they ran it three or four times uh, in a game like they did this Sunday against the Giants. Uh, let's get over to the defensive side where we continue to see some good things. And as I mentioned, you hold the Giants to 13 points. Uh, I thought that one of the big takeaways for me, uh, the defensive front was, was really strong in this game. I thought Fletcher Cox had a, another really good game. Uh, Hargrave really stood out. Barnett, I had I thought, had one of his better games of the season. And Milton Williams, Greg, was outstanding I, in this game. I thought Milton Williams was the best of the guys you just mentioned. Yeah, he was great. He played really, really well. He continues to impress and get better every single week. I mean, uh, it started right on the second possession on consecutive plays. He showed power and leverage as a run defender, quickness off the ball as a pass rusher, and it just continued throughout the game. I think he played about 25 snaps, and and he's just going to keep getting more, more and more snaps because he plays really – he's playing really well. Yeah, he's playing inside as a, a four-eye technique when they go into yep. their base with three linebackers, but then rotating in uh, behind Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave uh, in their subs. And whether he was making the play himself or if he was just being disruptive and creating plays for others. I thought there were a number of plays where uh, you saw that quick first step. You saw the violence on contact, uh, the ability to get off blocks. It was a, a really impressive performance. I thought uh, probably his best game so far. Um, I would say you go back to like the Detroit game a few weeks ago. That was a really good performance. I thought this one might have topped it. I, I was really impressed with Milton in this game. Um, the other thing I thought that we saw, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, the Eagles blitzing uh, more on third down and playing a little bit more man coverage. And look, uh, I think the Giants ended up three for 12 on third down. So the Eagles did a good job uh, in that area of the game. A couple of times they gave up those conversions were against them when the Eagles did blitz, whether it was cover zero or, uh, you know, or just a, a heavier five-man pressure. Uh, and that's kind of the double-edged sword of blitzing. I think everybody says, oh, blitz, blitz, blitz. That's the way to solve every problem. Uh, until the, the offense has answers for it, right? So I thought the Eagles did a good job of countering that. We saw more sim pressures in this game where, hey, we're going to show the threat of five or six rushers pre-snap and then right. drop everybody out, and it's either a three- or a four-man rush. I thought that was an effective tool for them in this game. Well, we saw the double-mug fronts, which we really haven't seen much this year, out of oh. a dime where they had Singleton and Harris in the A-gaps, and they did multiple pressures and coverage at, coverages out of that front. So, yes, you know, look – from what I know of Jonathan Gannon, and I know people who know him, is he's too smart to not, you know, really learn from what, uh, learn more about how he wants to coach, learn more about his players, learn how to use them more effectively. So I'm not surprised at all that this is, is shaping up the way it's happening. Yeah, I think that when you you know you look at the the way that this defense has adjusted, uh, it's been really impressive. And you look in the secondary, I thought Darius Slay uh, showed up numerous times in this game. It's just been uh, a really good season for him as well. Uh, just when you look at, at this cornerback landscape, you know, watching the rest of the league like you do, 
how does Darius step up when you're or stack up rather when you're looking at some of the other top corners in the league? I mean, he's got to be in that discussion. Uh, you know, obviously you talk about Jalen Ramsey and uh, you know what well, Jalen Ramsey doesn't. Jalen Ramsey rarely ever plays man coverage. Yeah. So so he's a hard guy to to put into that mix right now because the Rams play one of the lowest percentages of man, of cover sure. one in the league, and Ramsey does not really play much man coverage at all. I would say getting back to Slay, and I made this note that he's playing at a high level right now. So yeah. again, it's I, I, you know me, I'm bad at lists, but I think Darius Slay love your list though, Greg. Everybody right, loves right, your right. list. I think Slay's playing at a really high level. I think that um, uh, what was interesting again, the Eagles are not really a matchup defense either. I mean, he, he plays outside. Ramsey plays a ton inside these days. Uh, the Eagles did not match Slay on Galladay. He continued to play left corner with Nelson at right corner. Obviously, there were snaps he did match. Um, I, I remember the play third and eight in the high red zone. Um, uh, he did match uh, uh, man-to-man on Galladay because Galladay was the boundary X to that side of the formation, and it resulted in an incompletion. But um, uh, for the, I think Slay's playing really well, really yeah. well. Yeah, he's uh, he's having a, a really strong – I think Maddox has played really well in the last number of weeks as, as well. Over the last month and a half, two months, I thought he really has kind of settled in in his role in this defense. And uh, obviously it's a little bit different from what he was asked to do previously. I mean, look, you're playing this lot, you're playing underneath zone, you're playing man-to-man at times. But uh, you, I feel like he's really kind of settled in uh, and is playing really fast right now, playing really aggressive um, and maybe hasn't gotten quite the amount of love uh, that he deserves for the way that he's playing. Yeah, and the other thing I've, I've been noticing, and you've probably noticed it as well, the Eagles have really continued to play a lot of nickel versus base personnel. That's been yep. a trend over the last couple of games for sure. So obviously that's that's game plan. That's what they want to do, but that's what they've done. Yeah, uh, again, it, it, it might be coming down to like who who are best 11? How do we best get our best 11 guys uh, out in the field in positions where they can really impact the game? So, uh, yeah, that's something that I definitely have seen uh, over these last few weeks. Uh, let's spin this forward now to this matchup against the New York Jets. And we'll start with the Jets offense. And um, obviously, look, the, the big story, Zach Wilson coming back into the lineup. He missed a few weeks there. Uh, started the first five games, I believe, uh, after uh, being hurt against the New England Patriots. Thoughts on Zach Wilson? I guess we could talk about just this performance this past week against Houston or just overall. Well, probably overall makes more sense because obviously he's a, a young quarterback. He's a rookie quarterback. He lost a lot of time, so he lost a lot of reps in games. Um, just if you look at the traits, Fran, we know, and, and we've talked about him before the draft, he's got a live, loose arm. He's got athletic feet. He's got all the traits you ideally look for if you're just looking at physical traits. But he struggled quite a bit, and I think he continued to do so this week. But overall, he's struggling a bit with what he's seeing. Um, he's thrown interceptions that are the result of not seeing coverages. And we're talking about simple coverages with no late movement, with no pressure. Um, he tends to ha- have his body out of position a lot. I spoke to a coach this summer who actually didn't love him coming out of BYU, and he said he was too much of a trick shot artist. I think that needs to be coached out of him a little bit. I think when I watched him, I saw that his <clears throat> his drop and his set in the pocket didn't always sync up with the routes. You know, I think he needs work on the nuances, the disciplines, the subtleties, the details of playing quarterback at the NFL level, whether that happens or not. Only time will tell. Um, But he's always capable of a great throw, both from the pocket and outside of structure where he's, as I said, he has very light feet and moves extremely well. So right now he's got a ways to go. Um, 
they've, they've got some players who have really played well, young players like Elijah Moore, who've really played real well in recent weeks. But I, I would say it's a pass game that's at this point, pretty erratic, pretty inconsistent. You could get a B plus game. You could get a D minus game. Yeah. I think, you know, watching, I went back last week and just watched every single drop back of his going into uh, this game, obviously him making his comeback against Houston. So uh, a lot of the things that you brought up, he's capable of making any throw and his release is really quick. I mean, the arm talent is absolutely, absolutely there. Um, Just kind of towing that line of, Sometimes playing too slow, other times playing too fast. And you can see that that leads to uh, the inconsistency. I thought his ball placement was such a strength of his game at BYU. And it's just not been great uh, so far in the NFL. I I think, look, a part of that is that he hasn't been overly helped uh, by the supporting cast. You know, you had drop passes that turned into interceptions. You had wide receivers falling down, coming out of breaks. Uh, There was pressure a lot in his face. And so, uh, you know, they've had injuries throughout the course of that depth chart. Obviously not having Mekhi Becton at left tackle has had a bit of an impact on him. That's been a a little bit of a uh, cascading effect on that offensive line in general. Um, But yeah, he's been very up and down in this game against Houston, very up and down. But uh, at any point, like you said, He's capable of making any yeah. throw and hurting you as a defense. Well, what you see, which is very common for young quarterbacks, is his eyes wander. He doesn't play with a calm yep. helmet. And when you're, you know, when your eyes wander, you tend to hold the ball, you drift, you move, you lose your discipline. And he's working through that. You know, he's a he's a really talented kid. And essentially what we're saying is he has to learn how to play NFL quarterback. And yep. it takes time. No doubt. Uh, a guy that has not played a ton of football yet uh, here in the NFL. Uh, let's get to some of these pass catchers because I, I do like some of the weapons they've got. Elijah Moore, oh, uh, the second round pick, has really come on the last few weeks. And, and you know, it's funny when the production first started for him, it was kind of like a gadget play here. You, you get, the, get the end around or a wide receiver screen. You're like, all right, well, is, is this sustainable? Well, now you're just seeing him make plays week after week after week. And you've seen some deep balls. You've seen some intermediate catch and runs. The gadgets are still there. So uh, Elijah Moore really developing into that kind of weapon that can impact you at all three levels of the field. Without question. And and I got to tell you, I loved, loved Elijah Moore coming out of college. Yeah, I liked him more than yep. Darius Tony. You know, again, it's all people see things differently, but yep. I'm not surprised at all by Elijah Moore and what he's doing in the league. Yeah, uh, he is someone that certainly the Eagles will have to keep him, uh, keep an eye on there. They like him a lot uh, from the slot and from some of those tighter splits. They'll, you know, yeah. He might be the furthest one outside, but giving him plenty of room to operate. So uh, that will be something to watch as they'll try and get him isolated on a corner with lots of room to work. Uh, Corey Davis on the opposite side. He's kind of like the prototype X, Greg. I mean, at 6'3", 209, he's a big body. He does dirty work. He runs sharp routes. Uh, he's been pretty reliable at the catch point overall. He's had a couple of drops. So I think overall, um, you know, Corey Davis is a solid weapon opposite Elijah Moore. James Crowder in the slot. Eagles fans aware of what he can do. Uh, so it's, it's a solid stable of pass catchers. Yeah, and it's funny because Corey Davis in Tennessee did not play the X. He played the Z because they played A.J. A. Brown at the X. But I always thought Corey Davis – was more suited to play X and, you know, uh, he's getting that opportunity. Uh, he missed, he missed a couple of games too, I think. Right. Or I, I know he was injured. I, yes, I, yeah, he was I, banged I up, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, he's given the inconsistency with, with Zach Wilson. I think Corey Davis has actually had a pretty good year. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, and then you look at, uh, you know, they're missing now uh, Michael Carter at running back who was making yeah. some big plays and he was, he was doing a really nice job for them both as a runner and as a pass catcher. Uh, he will be out for this game. So uh, you've got Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, uh, those guys uh, kind of leading the way there in that running back room. Interesting to kind of get your thoughts on just this backfield in general and really the run schemes because uh, Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator. He's Matt LaFleur, the, the head coach of Green Bay, of the Green Bay Packers. He's his younger brother, comes from that same Shanahan style coaching tree yeah well they do want to run the ball and they had some success this week against Houston Um, so I think it does start there that will certainly help Zach Wilson it will help the play action pass game as well not so much we know that there's not a strict correlation between running the ball and play action but I think it allows your quarterback to get be rhythmic it slows down the pass rush everybody just always assumes Fran that play action affects second level defenders outside zone run action affects the defensive line as well, because their initial move is lateral, not vertical. So you gain an extra beat or so on your drop back into the pocket. I think that's where they'd like to get this offense to be. It's not quite there yet, but I think that's what they're striving toward. Not, not to mention, it's just exhausting to have to chase that t- time after time after time. After oh, for time. sure. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a big part of it as well is trying to wear those guys out uh, up front. Uh, let's get into this defense where uh, Robert Sala you know, came up on the defensive side of the football, did a good job of coordinating the defenses in San Francisco the last couple of years. Uh, interesting to kind of get your thoughts on the way this defense is built and what their strengths are coming into this matchup. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Robert Sala is certainly an interesting guy. I mean, he's... Um, we know that he was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. He was there when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, this defense had a very bad stretch of four games that I think was viewed as historically bad. Yeah. I think they're starting to slowly come out of that. Now, obviously, they played the Texans this past week. The Texans do not have a very good offense. It's a makeshift O-line. It's not one of the better O-lines in the league. We know the Eagles have a really good O-line. But I got to tell you, watching that tape, I at least saw a defense that I felt was playing with with activity, with some speed. I think they've got some pretty good players. I thought in this particular game against the Texans, I thought their two linebackers, um, C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams, really showed up on film. They played fast. uh, They were aggressive. They had some nice blitz concepts. Um, They pretty much played in their sub-defense the entire game, which they had not really done throughout the season. So I don't know the reason why they did it against um, Houston. They only played one snap of base defense. Mm. Other than that, every snap was either nickel or dime. It was predominantly nickel. I don't know. Maybe they'll take the same approach against the Eagles. Um, The Eagles this past week played more, I think, out of 11 personnel than they had for much of the season. This was really kind of an 11 personnel game for the Eagles. So you'll probably see the Jets play uh, in their in their nickel, and then they'll play in dime on third down and other selected situations. But, you know, I think, I, I think it's a defense that's slowly getting better. They're not good yet, but I think they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, a couple of guys that – each level. I think if you look at the secondary and just kind of work our way up, it's a very young group. I mean, they're, yes. they're missing a couple of their key players. Uh, when you look at the, that secondary, um, you know, when you look at the cornerback room in general, I mean, Bryce Hall, second year guy, uh, he was a fifth rounder out of Virginia a couple of years ago, but he was billed as be, uh, being a, a top 
two or three round draft pick and then broke his leg as a senior. And I think that kind of affected him. Couldn't go to the senior bowl. He's a big kid. He's physical, really yeah. looks the part. Six uh, one, over 200 pounds. Um, you know, and that size shows up on tape. Michael Carter, the rookie, uh, he was a fifth rounder this past year from Duke. 5'10", 184. He's playing like in the him. slot. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. a competitive group on the back end. Yeah, and then Austin Davis is is essentially their free safety. He's the kid from Cal yeah. who can run. Range, um, he was, real range. Yep. Yeah, he was thought of very highly. I, I I know I watched his tape. I'm sure you did too when he came out of college. Yep. You know, he has ability. They, they, they have players. They're just extremely young. Losing Marcus May is a big loss. Yes. They don't really have a second safety. Um, but, you know, they, they've got some pretty good players up front too. That's why I say that this defense – can be improving because, you know, Sheldon Rankins is there. Unfortunately, he's been injured a lot, but I remember when he came out of college and he had stretches where he was your, your classic three technique, great burst, great lateral quickness, great feet. You know, he has moments when he's very much like that. Franklin Myers has turned into a nice player. I mean, he had two uh, sacks know, and an interception this week. His kid's athletic. He's long. He's powerful. Yeah. He's quick. He's a good player. And Quinn and Williams obviously can, is a good player. I mean, you know, Shaq Lawson is not a great pass rusher, but he's a solid run defender. Yep. You know, they've got players at all three levels. If they can just sort of come together, uh, you know, they in their mind, they they made it through the tough stretch and now things are getting better. We'll see. Obviously, the Eagles offense is a little different than most. So we'll see how they go about defending it. Yeah, it's a it's a. Quick, active group up front. Uh, Quinn yeah. Williams, you mentioned, you know, the former, he was the number three overall pick a couple of years ago out of Alabama. Uh, this He's quick. He's powerful. He's got the ability to disrupt. Uh, he had a sack this past week where you can kind of see that ability uh, to get into the backfield. You also mentioned his brother, uh, Quincy Williams, who's that linebacker. Yeah. Look, he's a former third-round pick coming out of uh, Murray State, I believe, uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jets picked him up on the waiver wire, uh, but Williams has really he's made some nice plays uh, for this Jets defense, uh, playing in their sub. Uh, you mentioned he had, a, he had a sack. He was involved in a blitz uh, this past week. This kid can close. He can run. He's a former safety that has moved to linebacker. So uh, a really interesting group up front. It's all about you know just kind of becoming more than the sum of their parts. I think at, at this point in the in the year for this defense. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Williams is an intriguing guy. I remember noticing him in Jacksonville, and he had a stretch there where he played really well. And I have no idea what happened. You know, you never yeah. know that kind sure. of stuff. But he is an athletic. They're pretty athletic at linebacker. Even yeah. their third linebacker, if if they do go base, let's say more so this week, it's Jared. Gerard Davis, and he's yep. not—he's not a slouch athletically either. No, he's not. Uh, this guy played a lot of football for the Detroit Lions over the last few years. Yeah. Former first-round pick. Uh, no, so th- this defense has some feistiness to it. Uh, the Eagles will have to be prepared when they go up because they—they can be opportunistic. They can create some turnovers. Uh, so the Eagles will have to be ready for what this defense will throw their way. They'll play some man coverage. Uh, they'll play some zone. They mix things up from a front standpoint. They blitz uh, a decent amount, especially on third down. So uh, the Eagles have to be ready uh, for what this Chief Jets defense. Uh, has to present. So uh, one thing to keep in mind, and I noticed it watching the tape. So I, I, I checked some stats. Yeah. The, they played a ton less cover one this week. Now, I don't know if that was a function of who they of being, you know, playing against Tyrod Taylor. And right. Yep. And you have the Jalen Hurts factor. So again, I don't know if that would continue this week, but they played a good amount of cover one this year. That's probably been the, the coverage they played the most. Yep. yep. Um, so we'll see what they choose to do because it was not the coverage they played the most this past Sunday. No, it's uh, definitely something to watch. That's a good point. And we'll see if that was a, uh, a factor of just that game or if it's something to watch uh, moving forward, especially with this pending matchup against uh, Jalen Hurts, who uh, Nick Sirianni did mention on Monday uh, fighting through that ankle injury uh, that he suffered 
against the New York Giants. I'd be very surprised, win. given how competitive he is, if he would be sitting out a game. That would be my that would be my assumption as well. Particularly but. a must-win game. Yeah, no, no yeah. doubt. Uh, well, Greg, uh, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us here on Chalk Talk. We will talk to you next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. Well, great stuff there from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, and even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that, Kyle Mack 89 with a five-star review, asking, any word on Brandon Brooks? I remember they gave him around an eight-week timetable after his injury in week two. Kyle, uh, no update yet. And obviously, look, I'm recording this uh, Monday midday, so we haven't heard yet from head coach Nick Sirianni on Monday. We don't know what the what the timetable is uh, at this point for Brandon Brooks. I know he was asked about it, uh, I believe it was last week, in one of his midweek availabilities, uh, basically said hey, just no further update at this time. So uh, we'll see uh, what that looks like here moving forward. Obviously, getting Brandon Brooks back in the lineup would be a huge boost to the offensive line. We know that when healthy, he's one of the best there is in the NFL. But just something we'll have to continue and wait for more word there. So sorry I don't have more info for you there, Kyle, but I really appreciate the five-star review. Appreciate the question. Again, any question you leave us helps us, and we hope to help you. So appreciate everybody that has gone on and shown us your support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.